Good morning. Good to be with you here. I try and avoid the front whenever possible. It's God's sense of humor. He keeps putting me up in front of people. <laughs> so, Over 50 years in full-time ministry, the last 20 here at Tyndale, and now I have 20 minutes with you to capsulize a few things. So I will try and pace it right for us. So one of my favorite questions to ask people that come for spiritual direction is, you know, when you think of your own spiritual life, do you think of yourself as a body with a soul or a soul with a body? You know, that isn't really rocket science. It's not a hard question, but people often have to stop and really think about it. You know, Psalm 139 tells us before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us. The essence of what we are is our soul. And so that's why I wanted to speak to you today on this essence of the education of your soul. We know a lot about education here at Tyndale. We, we, at the university level, at the seminary level, it's like we are educating ourselves uh, to death. And uh, it's a good death, but to death. And um, so I wanted to talk about this and give you some guidelines or hints. How do you begin to educate your own soul? Because we have lifetimes of habits that have uneducated us towards our soul. We've bought into systems that don't work. They're not God's way in pattern. So, you know, intentionality has to be involved in this. Just like you can't come and pay tuition and take a class and not give any intentional focus on it and expect to learn. And it's like that with our own souls. We have to actually focus and give it intention and place and space. And then to counter our huge amount of knowledge that we're acquiring, we actually have to figure out how to integrate it and how to apply it in our lives. So I'm going to give you some examples. Uh, from David and how David actually did that. I get a kick out of doing this one actually because um, it's, this stuff today for you is not rocket science. It's not new, complicated things to follow. I'm trying to work with passages that I know you're already familiar with. Psalm 103, it fits with what we did in worship music. That was actually an opportunity for those of us that were looking at the word and absorbing it and singing it. It's a, it's a way to begin to tune your soul to God. Your soul sings, you know. And so this was an opportunity to actually get it to wake up and be alive to what God has for you today. In Psalm 103, David says, and here's what I want you to hear it this way this time. This is not David telling us what to do. This is David talking to his own soul. Isn't that interesting? He's talking to his own soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Have you ever talked to your own soul? Have you ever given it instructions about what it's supposed to be doing on any given day? It's all about... Um, praising the Lord and, and talking in His language. And you cannot do that. He says, he says praise the Lord, my soul, all my, omo, my inmost being, my body, mind, soul, spirit, all of me get into this now. Praise the Lord. 
And he starts there with, God's name is holy. This, this reminds me immediately of when the disciples came and said, teach us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. David was doing the same thing. He was remembering and reminding and basing actions on the holiness of God, his character and who God is, what he's like. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He is actually reminding his soul not to forget. We have to do that because God, when he creates people for himself, he wants us to be people that remember. He told the Israelites, remember all the way the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to test you, to try you, to see what was in your heart. See, it's the remembering piece. And sometimes we have to actually encourage our soul to engage remembering. And then when we do that, what happens in you is extreme gratitude and thankfulness. And then your soul is responding to God and being tuned. It's like it's this beautiful pattern and rhythm that God has if we can actually engage it and um, step into it. A book which I found very helpful in the past on educating your soul is The Testament of Devotion by Thomas Kelly. And I want to read you a little excerpt here because this, this harmonizes with what we're talking about. Deep within us all, there is an amazing sanctuary for the soul, a holy place, a divine center, a speaking voice to which we may continuously return. Eternity is at our hearts, pressing upon our time-torn lives, warming us with intimations of an astounding destiny, calling us home to itself. That is God calling us home to himself. The soul knows its home. And when it isn't fed, it isn't nurtured, it isn't educated, the soul doesn't know what to do. It sinks and sinks and sinks. And then the external you starts to perform and perform and perform. So we actually have to call it out again to get our soul to come forward. And when he says, um, calling us home, I have, um, and I've shared this with many people, but every morning I hear the beckoning call of the Lord. His always invitation is come. And he's inviting us, come and sit a while with me. Come and be with me. And that's when you do that, it's like your soul leaps because it's actually getting educated again into the heart of God. Um, you've heard... Now, I, I could give this lecture in Southern. My daddy was from the South. You've heard of the three R's of education, reading, writing, and arithmetic. You know, that, that when I was a kid in school, I used to say that all the time. Well, I kind of use that as a springboard today to begin to think about what are the three R's of the soul's education? And the first one I want you to think about this morning is rest. You know, it's interesting, those of us that are in leadership, rest is a good idea. It's just I don't have any time to do it. <laughs> and so we get on to that, that idea, but one, what helps you with this is when you realize it's not just an idea. 
It's actually rest is as old as God. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth and the man and everything in them, that was a lot of work. It took six days. And then he stood back and he says, ah, that's good. He liked it. And then on the seventh day, he rested in it. And so when we follow a pattern of withdrawing and resting, we're only doing what God himself modeled for us. This is the way that this is supposed to be done, not as an optional idea, if I can squeeze it in. And so when you remember that resting is not being lazy, it is following God's design, it can help you do that. I know, just like the rest of you, the pressures of leadership, and I know it sounds simple to rest. It is complex. It is not easy to do this. Because when you're in leadership, they tell you, take charge, fix it, build it, envision it, get her going. It's like all the to-do stuff, and that's part of the job description that we buy into. All of that is good but it will not be of value if it isn't done with the Lord in His way, in His plans, in His purposes. And that's where rest comes in. You start with it so that you don't end up being performance-driven. This is exactly what Jesus encountered with His temptations with Satan. Satan was trying to get him to buy into power, prestige, possession. Those are the three temptations. And Jesus said no to all those. And he, he, he instead gave his heart, his soul, his being, everything, all of his energy to the, to the Father, to the glory of God. And he loved him. And love is what the soul needs to learn to do. God is calling us to a different posture when he's asking us to rest. Now, I'm going to get you involved a little bit. I don't want you falling asleep with me on here. But I want everybody to take their left hand and just hold it. Now, on this thing of rest, I want you to start thinking about everything on your to-do list. And all of your, some of you that are students, you're thinking of the final paper and the exams and all of the projects. It's all of those things, it's, they are there. They're real. But I want you to, one by one, you name them to yourself and just actually put them into this left hand. Pick them up. Do about five of them. I know you've probably got 25 on the list, but just put five in there. Now I want you to shut and squeeze your hand as hard as you can. They're all in there. This represents your self-management. This is what you're doing. Now, I want you to open it up and give it to God. You let go your grip. Be still and know that I am God. The psalmist tells us, be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. See, if you back yourself out of that, and it doesn't mean be still and know does not mean shush, settle down, be quiet. 
It's not an external thing. It is an internal thing. What it actually means, if you do some language study on this, is let go your grip. And see, the minute you can let go, it engages God. Instead of you controlling, then God can do it. That is what that means. Be still and know that I am God. Let go your grip and give it to Him and participate with Him in it. Resting also provides us the opportunity. Certain passages in certain versions capture my attention more than they do in another version. And I love in the message in Matthew 28, because you can answer these questions. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live lightly and freely. So all through Scripture, whether it's the Old Testament, New Testament, we see these opportunities being presented to us to rest. But somewhere in our driven society, it gets shoved to the outer periphery where it's actually something that's fairly central. Because if you're not resting, you won't be able to hear God, to listen, to be with Him, to experience His presence. It's huge. It sounds simple, but it's, uh, it's not. It's hard to actually do it. And that's an area your soul needs education in, learning how to rest with the Lord. I think also I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the second R here, which is receiving. It's funny how resting, we think we know what it is, receiving, we think we know what that is. But these are not, um, this is not um, uh, theological language. That's stuff we can talk about with anybody, rest, receive. You know, I think that's why it's in plain language. It's, it's so we can receive this. I used to, when I would lead um, Bible study discussions with people that were looking into the Bible for the first time, we'd be in John 1, and it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God, the right, the ability. So when you're working with pre-Christians, you don't ask them anything theological. So it was safe to say, what do you think it means to receive? And they, what, what does this mean? And they said, well, um, and they, they get stuck even on what, I take it. It, it. You know, it would be like, I said, okay, now, here's the example. I went to the store. I have a gift for you. I picked it out specially for you. I brought it home. I wrapped it up. And now I'm giving it to you. When is it yours? And... Only the Christians say when I take it. Those that do not believe always say, when you give it to me. And I love to drop it and say, now who has it? And they pick it up and say, oh, when I take it, when I receive it. And so it's the, it's the ability to, to take something as simple as how am I receiving the love of God, the grace of God? How am I experiencing that? 
Don't leave it in a box like a nice gift that God has given you. You think about the gifts that he gives you. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of these things that God gives you are tremendous gifts. Yet so often when I encounter people, it's not love, joy, and peace. It's hate and anger and and turmoil. And so where's the gift? because you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who is a package deal that brings it all with him. (laughs) So the ability then to receive the gift of God is you're opening up to it, the reality of actually experience. So the question to ask is, has your soul even learned how to receive from the Lord what he has for me? It sounds simple. Who would want to refuse anything the Lord's giving you? But apart from Him, we can do nothing. And if we think we can, we've bought into a lie. It's actually the reality that we live our spiritual lives with. We often ask the Lord, and I'm sure, how many of you in here have ever asked the Lord, you're praying about your future or a decision or something, Lord, what do you want me to do? Anybody ever pray that? Wrong question. You need to picture, when we're working with the soul, you need to picture the Lord Jesus standing in front of you, looking straight at you, and he's asking the question, what do you want me to do for you? You have no idea how hard it is to answer that if you answer it from a soul level. If you're answering it with superficial things, it's like, Oh, I would like a new house or a new car or a new this. Or, that isn't the kind of question we're talking about. He's looking at your soul and saying, what do you want me to do for you? I, I walked six weeks taking laps around the block trying to, Lord, what is my deepest desire? What do I want you to do for me? And I'm not going to tell you what I landed on because even after six weeks, it was just the start point. It wasn't. But it's a good soul exercise to ask, to picture that and ask that so that you're opening and receiving from the Lord. You know, this um, Psalm 103 that is so familiar often gets truncated when it's read at verse 5. And I like to go on and read 6 and 7 too because there's almost a throwaway verse when you land on Psalm 103.7. It says, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. There is a difference in knowing the ways of God and in knowing the acts of God. It's substantial. And you can see it in the different responses from the Israelites and then Moses. See, they had just seen huge miracles of deliverance as He brought them out. They had seen this. They had experienced this. Then Pharaoh's closing in on them. They come up against the Red Sea, and it's like they started to complain. And it's like, well, you know, they're thinking, what, what good are frogs and gnats now? What, what good is it if he turns the sea red? They're, they're, they learned the acts. But Moses had learned the ways of God. And so Moses said, you know, he, he's brought us this far. See the, the deliverance of God. So make sure 
when you're working with your soul that you aren't stockpiling experiences like the Israelites where it was just information. It was acts. It was about God. All valuable. And then this, you see this even further once they, you know, they were afraid even to go to the tabernacle. They wanted to send Moses to talk to God so they could get it in a secondary sort of way because they were afraid of God. So don't be afraid of God. He says, he challenges us with his questions and he says, who is he who will draw near to me? God is waiting for someone who will dare to draw near to him. That's what you do when you receive the Lord and follow his instructions. When you begin to welcome the Lord, you know his voice. You know, when someone I, that, that I love calls me, they don't have to say, this is so-and-so. You know their voice with the first word. And it's like that with the Lord. His sheep follow him for they know his voice. There is a tuning of our soul to hear the voice of God. And then when you hear it, your soul leaps. David, at another point, said, My heart says of you, your face I will seek, Lord. And my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So there's a... responsiveness of looking. One of the hymns or songs we had up here this morning talked about gazing on the face of God. There is something in that that tunes us to the Spirit of the Lord. And then I like the next chapter where it. I call this, and I've shared this with several of you, but this is my verse. It's S to the power of three. He's my strength, my shield, and my song. And it's all in one verse, but it captures the idea of of God being our strength. He's also our shield, and he becomes our song. So as I pay attention to resting, I pay attention to receiving and welcoming the presence of God, then this is what we call spiritual formation is going on. Spiritual formation is a lifelong process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. If you don't put that in there, you miss out on the Great Commission. And then people think you're on some sort of a self-improvement course. This is not what this is about. It is you being made Christ-like. Christ is being formed in you. So. These are the nuggets of things that you want to begin to, to, to dig with, with your own soul. To, we come to God, we come to others, we deal with our circumstances, all this sort of thing. But it's engagement. It's always engagement with the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and being in the second. See, that's where the others come in. It's like it. Love others as you love yourself. What we're talking about in the education of the soul is actually learning how to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and being. So you're on steady scriptural uh, territory when you can do this. One of my favorite verses is Colossians 3.16, which says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, 
hymns, and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. One of the things, um, when they were asking me, well, what, what's your subject and, and can you give us something? I said, okay, it's gotta have a psalm, so we'll start with Psalm 103. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Hymns are um, those of us that were born in the last century, that went to church every Sunday, actually have this huge um, reservoir of hymns parked in our brains that sometimes it, they just start coming to mind. And when I began to think about, okay, rest, the old hymn I thought was, um, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of who thou art. I am finding out the greatness of your loving heart. And that was like a little, um, little music to start with as I began to think about what to share with you here. So psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And the spiritual songs up there today, they all connected with the education of your soul, learning to praise God. So out of that verse, though, let. That's the first word in that Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There is a, there's two words I want you to sink into as we finish off here in responding. One is let. You will be surprised when you start reading through scripture and you see how many times that let is. That is giving God the access to you. Let. And you want to be a person that lets a lot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's let God have access here. Help the soul remember. The other verse I want you to remember, the, the, not the other word, first let, then now. Because it will take familiar verses and give them new meaning when you see the word now. Jesus, at the end of his life, now. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That little word now carries you, yes, we all have a past, we have a future, but where you actually experience, connect, and relate with God in intimacy is in the present. That's the only place it can happen. It's in your now. So this little word now is not insignificant. It's huge. Now. Then I found a verse many, many years ago that it captured both let and now in the same verse. I love this. And this has become, over a lifetime, I've probably quoted this verse more than any others. Now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, so trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. We have an incredible God that gives us incredible opportunities and an incredible invitation to come. It's the education 
of your soul when you respond to that. So you rest, you receive, and you respond to the Lord's beckoning. I'm going to close today with over the last year and a half. Those of you that have been around me have heard me pray this many times. But Thomas Akempis, and I, the only thing I changed in this prayer is I changed the these and the thous to use, and I, I upgraded it to this, this century. But I love this because I want you, as I pray this now, I want you to see if you can recognize where's the call to rest, where's the call to receive, and where's the call to respond. Your three R's in your education of the soul. And I'll give you a hint. The very first word is a rest one. He starts his prayer like this. Ah. Lord God, you are the holy lover of my soul. When you come into my soul, all that is within me shall rejoice. You are my glory and the exaltation of my heart. You are my refuge and help in the day of my trouble. Set me free from all evil passions and heal my heart of all inordinate affections, that being inwardly cured and thoroughly cleansed, I may be fit to love, courageous to suffer, steady to persevere. Let me love you more than myself. So as you go now, may the Lord bless you. May you begin this journey with fresh energy to talk to your own soul and ask him to educate it in his way. You know, even at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was educating his soul still. He said to the Father, My soul is sorrowful unto death. He recognized his need. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. So that is nuggets for you to carry, and I've given to George a handout back there for you for another avenue to look at your soul if you want to go a bit deeper. It's got some questions and a little devotional back there. Let me pray for you. Lord, this is your place and your space. These are your people. These are your souls. Lord, I pray that you would take what has been shared today and it would motivate and energize people to talk to their souls, to have presence and experience with you. And Lord, to cultivate the desire to go always deeper in their love for you. And so now, go in peace and joy and to give attention to your soul. Bless you.